Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can now read me on foxsports.com and the Fox Sports app. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Well, for once, I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to talk about what I promised at the end of the previous podcast I'd talk about. And that is comments made by the Brooklyn Nets' James Harden before he and his teammates faced off against their crosstown I don't know if I can use the word rivals in this situation, so I'll say opponents. Before Harden and his teammates faced off against their crosstown opponents, the New York Knicks, along with comments made by the Knicks' Julius Randle after the two teams that call New York home faced each other. The comments don't really have anything to do with each other directly, but... They are connected in the sense that the value of the comments are not in what was said so much, but what they reveal about who said them and about the teams that they play for. Maybe it's the separation that the pandemic-inspired new rules have created that have jaundiced me a bit. The separation of media mingling, talking to players and coaches, but... Man, there are thoughts being expressed by players these days that have me shaking my head. I say that because I haven't been around James or Julius in person recently, as in probably not in the last year. And I well know it's far easier to be critical of someone or something when we're at a distance, when we forget or we're not aware of their humanness. I've known for some time and I'm sure I've mentioned it in this space before, that I know plenty of radio and TV personalities who intentionally never spend any time in a locker room or getting to know the players and coaches and executives they talk about on air to avoid losing their edge in critiquing them. Because there's no way around it. If you have the chance to talk to someone one-on-one in a relaxed setting, you are far less likely to go after them like a snarling dog. And... Snarling dog takes sell on TV and radio. 
Because the audience, I'm guessing, can identify with that, seeing as most fans are watching from a distance as well. For example, I attended two Warriors practices recently, and aside from interviewing Steve Kerr, who I've known since he was a player and at one time shared broadcasting space with him on TNT, and Nemanja Bialica, who I'd never met before and who reminded me that no matter how long foreign players have been in the NBA, they still often feel like, well, foreigners. I also ran into Steph Curry and Draymond Green, both of whom I've known since they entered the league. Now, it so happens that the Warriors are playing lights-out basketball right now, so I don't have a whole lot of reason to be critical of them. But I'd be lying if I pretended that Steph seeing me, saying hello, and asking how me and my family are doing didn't have an effect. Same with Draymond, who I watched shoot after practice and drill three-pointer after three-pointer with what I saw as some subtle but important adjustments to his shooting. Having a couple minutes to talk to him about those adjustments can't help but give me a different perspective the next time I see him take a three in a game that I otherwise might. I say all that as a preface to talking about Harden and Randall and my view of their comments. I don't know that my view of what they said would be any different, but how I talk about those comments might. I suppose that's a long way of saying that my run of kinder, gentler, more positive observations is probably going to take a hit in this episode, unless I veer off and talk about Derrick Rose, which I might to balance the scales. We'll see. First, to the Harden comments, which were in reference to his early season struggles. Here is what he said. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out when when to score, when to be a playmaker, when to run offense, when to do a little bit of everything. Um, You know, just trying to to figure it out. It's it's, it's been a little difficult, especially since, you know, or whatever. But it's been a little difficult, but I'm just trying to figure it out. There's a lot there to unpack. First of all, I wish someone had asked, what has Steve Nash said to you about the role he'd like you to play or what he'd like you to concentrate on? Are we past the point of thinking that any decisions about how Harden plays shouldn't be something he does unilaterally, that this should be something the Nets come to terms on collectively, and that the head coach should be the one with the vision of how Harden should play to best serve the team? I don't see that there should be any mystery. Harden demonstrated last year that he can be an outstanding playmaker and distributor. When it comes to the Nets roster, he's the only one I see who has that capability. Kevin Durant can do some of that, but it's not where his focus is, nor where it should be. The man is a scorer extraordinaire. I don't need him dividing his attention. Yes, Harden has demonstrated he can be a scorer too, but... The beauty of a team, not only with KD, but three guys who are all shooting better than 40% from beyond the arc, DeAndre Benbury, Patty Mills, and Joe Harris, is that Harden doesn't have to focus on scoring for the Nets' offense to hum. Their close win over the Knicks is a perfect example. Yes, they won, but it came down to a pair of last-second free throws by James Johnson, his only free throws of the night to clinch the victory. Harden led all scorers with 34 points. 
KD led the team in assists with nine. Now, Harden was second with eight, but he also had five turnovers, some of which he'd no doubt blame on the confusion of whether he should be looking to score or pass or facilitate the offense. Not just his confusion, but everyone else's, unsure of what Harden had in mind possession by possession. It drove me a little crazy to hear Reggie Miller on the broadcast guffaw over Harden clearly for looking for his shot more than anyone else's without considering the ramifications. If Harden is attacking and kicking, I'm guessing a knockdown shooter like Patty Mills isn't going 2 for 10 from long range and KD isn't going 0 for 5, which is what they did against the Knicks. For a picture of what it looks like when your point guard is clear about his priorities, you need only look at the Knicks. Derrick Rose shot and scored when he had to, when the shot clock was running down and he needed to go get something. But otherwise, he was looking to get Randall and Alec Burks and Mitchell Robinson buckets. Result? Nine assists, zero turnovers, and the Knicks having a chance to win a game that, based on talent and the primary matchup, Randall versus KD, the Knicks had no business having a chance to win. Simply because Rose, as unique in his ability to create shots for the Knicks as Harden is for the Nets, knew what his purpose was, as did every Nick on the floor with him. Here now is what Randall said after the loss. You may not be able to hear the question clearly, but it doesn't really matter. What Randall had to say does. appreciate that Randall wrapped up by saying he doesn't want to focus on the officiating or talk about it and he can't allow his complaints to result in technicals that might cost them games, even if he started out by focusing and talking about the officiating. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but look, the refs tried to do him a favor by explaining to him the difficulty of officiating him. They said flat out, this is why we missed the call. Not that there wasn't a call to make. It's the same difficulty referees have with every big man in the NBA going back to the days of Wilt Chamberlain. And now it's 6'8 and 250 pounds in today's small ball era. Yes, Julius Randle qualifies as a big man, a big man. And I'm not talking about fouls on a shooter's arm or hand, but the body contact that happens on nearly every play. If it knocks a player off balance as he shoots, it's relatively easy to see and whistle. When it doesn't, it enters the realm of incidental contact. 
If every bump was whistled, the game would take four hours long and everyone would be complaining the referees are making the game about them. KD being taller and skinnier, a bump is likely to have a greater effect on him than Randall at 6'8 and 250 pounds. Same goes even for a touch foul on the arm. His strength, he's going to power through that. It's going to be more difficult to see. That's just the reality. The referees shared the truth with Randall, and he got mad at them for it and called them out. I don't know that that's going to make them inclined to be forthcoming with him in the future. My issue with Randall is that he tried to beat KD at his own game, the mid-range. Randall took six shots at the rim and made four of them. Meanwhile, he took 13 mid-range jumpers, making five. KD took 16 mid-range jumpers and made nine. You want to look for a place where the game was won and lost? Maybe we should start there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And maybe the most interesting development came on the play that got Randall particularly hot when, defended by Harden, he missed a turnaround jumper with the score tied at 105 with a minute and 47 seconds left. KD then came down and hit a pull-up jumper over Randall, prompting Randall to swing his fist in frustration and bark at the refs, upset apparently that Harden wasn't called for a foul on Randall's shot. Watching both in real time and the replay, I didn't see a foul. No matter. Randall was given a T for his complaint, giving KD a bonus free throw and the Nets a three-point lead. The interesting development, as I mentioned, was not that, but with less than 30 seconds left, after KD drove past Randall and was fouled at the rim by Robinson, Rose had a heated exchange with Coach Thibodeau. Now, those guys go way back. They think the world of each other. So that's what made it so notable to me. My guess is that it had to do with Tibbs' willingness to have Randall defend KD one-on-one with the game on the line rather than double him and force someone else to beat them. I say that because coming out of the subsequent Knicks timeout and on the final possession... Rose doubled KD as soon as he got the ball at the top of the three-point arc, forcing him to pass the ball to Johnson, who was fouled by Robinson for the winning free throws. It was the smart play, and would have worked if Robinson had simply gone up instead of coming down on the ball. Now, it didn't help that the refs missed LaMarcus Aldridge riding Robinson into Johnson, and I'd still make the case that if the Knicks had doubled KD every time he caught the ball, Before he could take a running start at Randall down the stretch, he wouldn't have had five of the Knicks' nine last points. I'll take my chances with James Johnson beating me over KD going one-on-one. It will be worth seeing how the Knicks handle that situation going forward. The bottom line in all this 
is how the box score can be so wildly misleading when it comes to how a game is won or lost. Or even what guys may say won or lost the game afterward. What's important is what a team learns about itself from the outcome. Win or lose. If the Nets and Harden come away from this win thinking that Harden going off is the formula, I'd make the case that they're coming to the wrong conclusion. The same way I'd argue that if the Knicks are of the mind they lost because Randall didn't get the touch fouls he deserved, the loss isn't going to serve much purpose going forward either. Those aren't the reasons the Nets won or the Knicks lost. We're going to find out pretty soon if either team realizes that when they watch the tape. Can I wrap by talking about Rose? I am blown away by the work he has done to refine his three-point shooting in particular. His game overall, he has completely changed from the times when he was a league MVP. He had a hitch in his shot that often resulted in him shooting it on the way down, resulting in a shot that was flatter than desired and required far too much power generated by his arms rather than his legs, and it was reflected in his shooting percentage. The shot looks compact and effortless now. Even when he misses, he doesn't miss by much. When I think about the work that he's put in to refine his shot, along with Jonas Valanciunas, the Pelican center, going 7-for-7 from long distance the other night, this being the same Valanciunas who attempted four threes, a total of four threes, in the first five years of his NBA career. A Valanciunas who is now shooting 51% from long range this season while taking a career high average of two and a half a game. I can't help but think about Ben Simmons and his refusal to develop that same shot. Simmons and Valanciunas essentially being the same size and the shot being of far more value to Simmons. But I'll stop there. I'd rather end on the happy and positive vision of Rose after his long road back from injuries and exile, giving the Madison Garden faithful something to cheer about. New York basketball fans appreciating excellent point guard play, and Jeremy Lin can tell you all about this, as much or more as any fan base in the world. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I've noticed we're just a couple ratings short of 300, the magic 300 number. I'd appreciate it if we could get there. I know that my sponsors would appreciate it too. It felt so good to deliver on a promised podcast subject that I would love to run my streak to two in a row, but I'm a bit torn between taking a look at the Philadelphia 76ers struggles despite the return of Joel Embiid and what that means for them, or taking a look at some of the surprise teams like the Washington Wizards and determining whether they have the lasting power to continue what they've done so far. The other team that bears some examination are the Atlanta Hawks, who are now at last look 12-10 and 10 and appear to have something wrong with them. What 
exactly is it? If I can find the answer to that or one of the other topics, then that's what I'm going to hit in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 